Welcome to the Trading Raw Stories Podcast. I'm Rita Pira, the host with the most inspiring stories that you ever did hear. Back in the day when the day was back, I was known as the juicing queen. I became raw vegan overnight after watching a documentary called Food Matters. Changing what I was putting in and on my body didn't just make me lose weight and have great skin. It gave me mind clarity, more energy, and over time made me so self-aware and intuitive that I vibrate on a higher frequency and level of consciousness that's turned me into a manifesting queen. I've lived like nine lives and have amazing stories to share that may inspire you to finally leave that toxic guy you're with that miserable job you hate, start that business you've been talking about forever, and at the very least, you'll probably start saying yes more often and eat more vegetables. I'm your tell it like you need to hear it and make you do it, sister from another mister. I've lived quite the life and have stories for days that have inspired women to transform their lives in real big ways. So I created this podcast to share my insane and unbelievable stories with the world to reach whoever needs to hear them. I'll bring on inspiring humans to trade stories with me, and I'll even have some live coaching sessions with listeners calling in. You're here because you were meant to find this podcast, this community, these raw stories. There are no coincidences. Everything happens for you, not to you, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to the Trading Raw Stories podcast. It's Rita. I'm so excited you guys are here. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for choosing to spend your time here with me. Today is a very, very special day because I have the podcast princess in the house. Her name is Hala Taha. She is the host of the Young and Profiting podcast. She's the CEO of Yap Media and all around badass at everything marketing. And I'm so honored to have her here on my show. Hello, my sister from another mister. How are you today? Hey, Rita. So happy to be here. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe finally today is the day. I think we had this on our calendar for like a month now. <laughs> yeah. We've hung out so many other times, but we haven't done this podcast yet. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. I'm in your podcast mastermind group. I met you from a coaching program I was in that you came on as a guest teacher. And once I saw you, I was just like, oh, my God, this girl's like my twin. She is like exactly where I'm going. I need to connect with her. And I DM'd you right away. And ever since then, I think that was like in May or August, something like that. April, May, June, July, August, somewhere in the summer. I don't know. I can't even keep yeah. It was like four or five months ago. Yeah, you DM'd me. And I was like, oh my gosh, this girl is really nice. And then you just kept asking me questions and you entered a contest and you had like 50 submissions and you won. And I was like, this girl has a lot going for her. She's just getting started and it's already kind of popping off. So kudos to you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. No, seriously. And you, I feel like you've kind of taken me under your wing too. Like you're on clubhouse and you're bringing me into rooms and putting me as a moderator and all of that. So I appreciate you so much. And and I seriously, I see you girl, like you are blowing up. You had your podcast, like what in 2018 and a thousand days later, you end up on the cover of podcast magazine, like, okay. And then you're interviewing Matthew McConaughey, like, okay, I see you. (laughs) Yeah, it's been crazy. Like the last six months has just like, kind of been hockey stick growth. It's been amazing. Uh, But it's been a long time coming. Like, you know, I worked my ass off for all of that. So it's like, you know, a lot of people, they see those things and they're like, oh my gosh, you're so lucky. You're yeah. so lucky. And it's like, if you knew how hard I worked for this. Yeah. There's no such thing as luck. None. Zero. It's it's definitely you showing up in the world, believing in yourself, having the confidence and taking the steps toward the thing that you want the most. And you're 
following whatever guidance and whatever breadcrumbs and whatever direction you're you're going in the flow of. And, and that's what amplified you to where you are today. It's your drive. It's your inspired action that you're taking. It's definitely not luck, but it's also like it was meant for you. And that actually it's what I wanted to talk to you about. Like, how did you know that this was what you were meant to do? How did you know this was your passion? This was your purpose? Like what inspired you to show up in the world doing this for a living? Oh my gosh, that's such a great question. It It's so deep because it goes back to me wanting to be a singer when I was younger. So I actually first wanted to be a singer. That was my passion. I always had like a solo in our chorus concert or I was always like in the plays. And so then I got into college and I wanted to get an internship and I applied at all like these entertainment type places and I got an internship at Hot 97. And I accepted that internship because at that time I was in college writing music with other producers and singing. And I I really wanted to be a singer and everybody knew that. And like, that was my thing. And so I got the job at Hot 97 to push my music. And that was why I started there. And then I just ended up falling in love with radio. And I started, you know, they started letting me read commercials. And then I started, you know, producing and, and learning how to do the delet boards and got really friendly with the DJs. And then all of a sudden I was like, wow, like, I think I'd rather be a personality. I still kept working on my music, but that love started to die down. And then I realized that, okay, maybe I'm not the next Beyonce I'm not that great of a dancer, right? I'm not the hottest girl in the world. Yeah, I was hot, but especially back then. That sounds really conceited, but I was an attractive girl, especially when I was younger, you know? And so, I don't know. I just realized that it was a really long shot. And I was like, I probably can make it as a personality and be very successful rather than try to be that like 0.00001% like Beyonce, you know, I just realized that that was a really hard goal to achieve. So I pivoted, but it still had something to do with my voice. It still had to do with being in the spotlight and getting that shine. And so it satisfied a lot of like the reasons why I wanted to be a singer, you know, and I still got to kind of help people and speak my mind and it's just in a different way. And it, I think it ends up and it ended up being a life that I really enjoy a lot more than I would have if I had pursued being a singer. Yeah. Isn't that interesting how like the universe gives you these breadcrumbs like, oh, you go in this direction, you got this job at Hot 97 and then you started there and then discovered something else that lit you up even more. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to pivot. And so it's just like following the signs. And that's what I was going to ask you. Like, what are some signs that you got along the way that were guiding you to where you are today? Besides like that one moment where you're like, oh, maybe I'm not going to sing, but this is, this is interesting to me. Like, were there, were there things that were leading you that like you would call breadcrumbs? I would say all my failures if that could make any sense, like all of my accomplishments have come on the heels of failure. And it was always somebody telling me no, and then me creating my own path. That's how I've done everything impressive in my life. And every time I have like some stagnant period in my life, it's because I'm not creating my own lane and I'm like underneath somebody else's, you know, and so I love that. Yeah. And so like with Hot 97, for example, I was an intern there and I actually dropped out of school and I worked for free there for three years and I did everything for the people at the station. Everybody knew me as a Hot 97 girl. 
I would feed the meters. I would go get clothes for Angie Martinez. I was working for Angie Martinez. She was the voice of New York. I would buy her clothes. I would babysit her kid. I would research her shows. I would do the contest. I would run commercials, do the delet boards, come in at 1 a.m. in the station and, you know, help. Uh, who was that? Al Roker or whatever. Like, like I was just like the girl at Hot 97 and that was my life. And they weren't even paying me. Damn. And then I know. And then three years later, a paying job opened up. It was to be the producer of the Angie Martina show. And it was like a really big deal. And they gave it to somebody else. And I was like heartbroken. And I, I was young. And maybe I was a little bit too young to expect that big of a position. But I just wanted minimum wage, honestly. Like I just, I just felt like I'm working so hard and you guys appreciate me and, and tell me that you like value me and I'm training everybody else. Like, why can't I get a job? And I was like, kind of asking for a job and they basically denied me or like, you know, and then Angie got so mad one day because, you know, when they hired somebody else, I was young and naive and I texted him uh, and he was my friend at the station. And I said, I don't feel good today. If you want to learn how to be the producer, learn it on your own. Like I did. And he showed that text to Angie Martinez and then Angie Martinez fired me <gasps> and my key cards and to make it even worse. She told everyone that they're not allowed to talk to me anymore. So oh my god. DJs, yeah. All the DJs stopped talking to me and um all my friends stopped talking to me. Imagine like you dropped out of school, you gave up everything and then this lady like one day is like, "Goodbye. Your life is over. Peace." Like, you know, and looking back on it as an older woman now, not like like, you know, uh, Angie was probably like 40 or like in her early forties, I'm in my early thirties now. And like, as an older person, I look back on what she did to me as a young girl. And I'm like, fuck that bitch. Wow. Like I would never do that. to the girls that work for me now, you know, but anyway, yeah. she was probably really jealous also because she, I was getting a lot of attention and I think she felt really jealous and was thinking like, Oh my gosh, like this girl's getting all the shine. She might take my job. And she, she cut me off. And so I just, in one week, I, I like, you know, said, I'm not going to be blackballed from the hip hop and entertainment industry. Like this is, I paid my dues. I've worked here for free. I have my connections. And I decided I was going to start something called the sorority of hip hop. And I decided I was going to reach out to other girls in the entertainment industry who weren't getting support. Uh, people who worked at VH1 and Def Jam and, and, you know, MTV, wherever, you know, these girls worked. And within two weeks, I recruited 14 girls. And I learned how to build a website and we started a blog and then we started hosting parties and then we had our own radio show and we would host concerts and get sponsored by Reebok and American Apparel and shot crazy photo shoots. We almost got an MT a show on MTV twice. And, you know, we filmed a whole summer with MTV and it was just incredible. And all of that happened because I was rejected, yeah. you know, and the same DJs and Angie who like wouldn't, you know, pay me minimum wage, I started to host parties with them and be on the flyers with them side by side. And the DJ started to call me up and ask me to promote their parties and pay me as much as they were going to get paid. And I got shouted out on the radio more when I was in the sorority of hip hop than I was actually like when I was working at the station. And then all of a sudden I became everyone's peers. And then Angie Martinez knew I was the hot thing and was trying to get me on love and hip hop and trying to make herself look cool because she knew me. And it's just like, everything just like flipped on its head within like six months because I just decided to create my own lane. And 
almost every example of my success, almost every example of my success is like this and including Young and Profiting, like that Young and Profiting was also like a revenge story. <laughs> and so like, that's just how it goes. Uh, I create my own lane and, and, and success happens that way because when you control your life and I know that, you know, I'm somebody who takes action and gets shit done. When you take control of your life, you have all the power. And I always lose when somebody else has my power because a lot of the times people don't want to say yes to me. You know, I'm not a white male. I'm not even, you know, there's not that many like Arabic people in power. I know we're both kind of like, you know, in from the same region. And yeah. I don't get like any just like, you know, handouts. Nobody hands things out to me mm-hmm. ever. Right. I have to work for it all. And so that's why I really, I really try to take things into my own power. You are a freaking force. Like I wasn't expecting that whole story. And I'm so glad that it came out because that's like, this is trading raw stories. That is the rawest and realest story I think I've ever heard on this podcast so far. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. You're like, oh, it's a revenge story, but it, it's truly like you, you took that rejection and that failure and turned it into fuel. Like I had uh, Mike Searock on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he has a book called Rocket Fuel. So he goes like, take your failures, take your, your, you, everything, basically what you just said and turn it into rocket fuel. And you put it in the gas tank instead of in the trunk and storing it with you and like carrying it into your life and whatnot. I love, I love this story. And I love that you created your own lane and you took control of your life and look what you've created for yourself. Like now the fact that they're all wanting to use you or work with you or your name is bigger and brighter and all of that. I love it. It's a good like comeback story. You know, it's so funny. Big time. And I can't even, I can't wait to see what else is coming your way. Like you're seriously a force, like you're unstoppable. You are grasping at everything that comes your way and you're creating something out of nothing at every turn. Seriously, like you are a magical force and I'm in complete awe of you and I'm watching you and I'm just like, I'm going to be just like her soon. I'm going to be just like her soon where she's at. I love it. You're like such a mentor and inspiration to me. Honestly, how I love you. Thank you. I love you too. I mean, I just, I love to give back. So, um, and you have a lot of potential and and I don't really, you know, spend as much time with everyone who contacts me, but you are so polite and you're just like genuine. And so, you know, happy to help you whenever you want. Oh, thank you. (laughs) No, that means a lot. That means a lot. So, um, I would love to know how the hell you got Matthew McConaughey on your podcast. Like, how did that happen? Did you just reach out to him or what? Uh, yeah. So basically my team reached out to him like maybe three months ago and they said yes. And then they ghosted us. Yeah. And so, but like, that's normal, you know, it usually takes a lot of follow-up, especially with like a huge guest like that. Yeah. Then I landed the cover of podcast magazine and I was like, okay, I got some leverage, you know, Mm -hmm. I landed podcast magazine. After I landed the cover of podcast magazine, I top the trending education charts on Chartable. So I became the number one trending education podcast across every single app. So not just Apple, across all the apps. I was number one. And I was like, I'm going to take a screenshot of this and I'm going to shoot my shot, you know? (laughs) Emailed his assistant, super casual. And I was like, hey, what's going on? Um, You know, I noticed that Matthew is going on shows a lot less popular than mine. Uh, I love that's yeah, that's what I, I noticed that Matthew's going on shows a lot less popular than mine. Uh, so I'm shooting my shot. And I literally said that. And then I <laughs> said 
screenshots of my of my charts. And I said, you know, we've had Seth Godin on, Mark Manson, Robert Greene, and I attached my podcast cover magazine and they were like, yeah, let's do it. And that was it. No brainer at that point, right? It's because I, you know, I had the proof. It's all about the proof. And so yeah. when people say, how do you get him? I'm just like, well, I have, I have the, I have the stats, you know what I mean? I had, I had the ammo to, to convince them that it would be a good opportunity. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people have been reaching out to me asking like, how did you start your podcast? You know, cause I'm at the beginning, but I'm also somewhat in the middle because like, I've got some pretty big names already that have come on that I've recorded with that I haven't even released yet. And then like, okay, for example, and, and a couple from clubhouse that, um, one ghosted me, but then she reached back out and we got it back on. I don't even want to say her name, but, um, <laughs> you know how that goes. Um, but so like, I've got, I guess you could say the, the, the way that it's working, the way that it's flowing, the way that people are responding, the reviews and the people that are coming on and all of that, but I'm not creating like a marketing plan. I don't have videos that are going out all over social media. I'm not on like how you said chartable and all these different, um, podcast apps and whatnot, like my charts or my numbers, I don't really track or even know where they are. I'm just showing up doing what I'm doing. And then if I, you know, so like, I'm not going as hard as you did, I think. And that's probably where I would need to step it up and then it would amplify. But like for people who are wanting to start a podcast and just, you know, create from just start, basically, what would you tell them? What would you advise people who are listening to you right now? And they're so inspired, but don't feel like they can get to where you are. What would you tell them? I would say get practice, you know, um, something to realize is, like I said, I had a lot of experience in this industry. So young and profiting podcast is like my fifth show. Technically I had, you know, shows on the side of hot 97. I had shows while I was working at, you know, the sorority of hip hop Yap is like my fifth show. So I got those reps in, right? I learned a lot about marketing. I learned about audio production. I learned how to have a conversation. I learned how to prepare for a show. And so I got those reps in even before episode number one of Young and Profiting Podcast. And so I would say that if you start a podcast, realize that it might not be your breakout show. It might be show number two or three that's your breakout show. And you need to, you know be okay with that or realize that most of the big podcasters out there have started back in 2008 and are on their 10th year, Lewis House, Jordan Harbinger. Um, you know, there's so many other examples, uh, JLD, John Lee Dumas, all the huge podcasters have been doing this for almost 10 years. Yeah. And so that's the other thing. They have all those reps and they built that momentum and they were able to capitalize when there was organic growth in these podcast apps, no longer true. And so the game is different, first of all. And then second of all, you need to realize that it is a lot of hard work. Um, for people who want to get started in a podcast, I would suggest to just start practicing and it doesn't need to be recorded. Just start interviewing people. Um, you can do like, uh, you can have like baby steps where you start like a live show and then maybe you transition to a podcast once you get enough experience, right? Rita, you happen to be very natural and you're doing great, you know, on your first show, you just happen to be very natural and you're really good at what you're doing. You know, we're having a great conversation already. And so not everyone is going to be in the same place. You have confidence, right? You're like mentally strong. Yeah. You need that as a host in order to like command 
the, the show and, and, and navigate the story and things like that. Not everybody has that like innately. Right. And so everyone's going to be starting at a different place, you know, in yourself kind of like, if you're going to be good at this naturally or not, right. Everybody kind of knows. So yeah. if you're not one of those people who can just like hop on a mic and be comfortable or has any sort of experience in sales or other situations where they have to talk to people all the time, then you want to figure out how you can get your reps in. Yeah. If somebody like Rita, who is naturally good at this kind of stuff and you feel like you've got some potential, then yeah, start a podcast right away and, and get started and do your reps like as you go. Right. Yeah. Um, it's different for everyone, but that's what I would suggest getting the practice. Cause a lot of people don't realize even just having a good conversation isn't like, you know, easy peasy aside from all the technical and the marketing and everything else you have to do, just getting good content. Isn't that easy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's really great advice for me. The, the, the technical was the intimidating part for me. And then once I stepped in and just did it, I was like, Oh, that's not that hard. And I just yeah. started to do it and you learn and you go with the flow. But, um, this natural gift of mine, you want to know what's really interesting is my entire life. Every single job I've ever had has been setting me up for this. And it's so funny because just like you, like everything you've ever done in your career and your life has like led you to where you are right now. And so for me in 2000, what was it? Eight, I stumbled upon some application for this truth tour thing. And I was like, what's this? I didn't know. And I just filled it out anyway. And then they called me and they're like, Hey, we want to um, interview you. And I'm like, okay, cool. So did the interview. Then they called me again. They're like, Hey, congratulations. You made it to the next round. We want you to send us a three minute video of yourself. So I did that. Then they're like, congratulations. You made it to the next round. We want you to fly to New York to audition in person. And instead of me going like, Oh no, I can't, I don't have, you know, I don't have the money. I can't afford it or whatever roadblocks, things that you like let yeah. fear creep in. I was like, I'm doing it anyway. I went to my boss and I was like, Hey, can I get these days off? And she's like, no. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go anyway, because <sighs> I can't wonder what if for the rest of my life, like this opportunity came my way for a reason. And I don't know what it is, but I'm going to find out. And so I live my life that way. I say yes to things that come my way. I go with the flow and I just trust that it'll work out and whatever it is, is meant to be right. And that it's for me. And so when I flew to New York, I booked whatever hotel I could. I got the cheapest flight I could find and I did the whole thing. And then at the end of the day, out of thousands of people that applied for this thing from the whole freaking country, I got picked to be an MC on Vans Warped Tour for the truth campaign. And so I woke up in a different city. Yeah. I woke up in a different city every single day. Like Katy Perry was on a stage next to where I was at on the mic. Like there's people crowding around me, listening to me on the mic. Like they put a microphone in my hand, Hala, and they were like, go ahead. And I'm like, what do I do? They're like, just go have fun. I'm like, okay. And so here I am on the mic. I'm making up games on the fly. I'm just like having fun with it, giving away free stuff and whatever, and drawing huge crowds in. And every day I got better and better and better and better. And I had like a massive crowd. I have pictures. I created this like boy band battle of the boy bands thing. I had NSYNC on one side and Backstreet Boys on the other. And they were like singing, lip singing, battling against each other and dancing. And everybody was loving. It, it was so much fun. But like that was the first time I realized how much I loved having a microphone in my hand. Mm -hmm. I would have never discovered that if I didn't take that risk and fly to New York and do this audition, even though I had bills to pay. I had a job like I, I needed this job, right? Yeah. I had rent to pay. I had a car payment to pay. And I was taking this risk. I could have told myself what your average person would have said. And they'd be like, oh, why should I even bother? I probably won't get picked anyway. And I need this job. That is what your average reaction would be because our mindset is very much fear-based. 
we yeah. scan and look for the problems, but it, that's what I tell a lot of people in, in, in my coaching and on this podcast is like, say yes, take a scary risk, like yes. just challenge yourself and, and listen to your intuition. Is it, is it a yes right away? And then you're talking yourself out of it. If so, talk yourself back into it and do it anyway, and yeah. then expect it to work out instead of expecting it not to like, it's the same amount of energy you're choosing to expect negative instead of expecting positive. Why? Like why? Yeah. Right? I totally agree. And I think you bring up some other really good points right now. First of all, you're talking about indirect experience and all of your experiences allow you to stack up skills so that when you're ready to do the thing that you were meant to do, you've got all these skills to back you up. So it's like, you're talking about emceeing an event and you do this like emceeing a concert. I'm talking about the same thing when I say that I've got all these reps before Young and Popping Podcast. Mm -hmm. I used to host concerts. I used to do fundraising events. You know, I was, a, you know, president of an employee resource group at HP and had to like run all their like summer picnics and do all that stuff. Just being on the mic and like, you know, getting a crowd hyped and, and figuring out how to get energy up and all that kind of stuff is what I mean by getting in the reps. And so if you have experience like that, then it translates really well in something like a podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. And if you haven't had any experience like that, then it's time to get your experiences up so that you can kind of, you know, know how to work a mic and know how to work a conversation in a room. So I right. uh, totally love everything that you're saying. Thanks. Yeah. And then, you know, what else it is like, say, say whoever's listening, if you have no interest in podcasting, pay attention to what experiences you have had, because those are connecting dots to something that you're meant to be doing. Like whatever your calling is, whatever your purpose is, you've been guided. Like every job you've ever had, or every experience you've ever had is leading you in a certain direction. Like look at the patterns, pay attention to what those breadcrumbs may be. Like, for example, every job I've ever had was sales and related to education as well. So I became a fourth grade teacher, fifth grade teacher. And then suddenly I'm working. I, you know, I lived in New York, right? Hello. We talked about this before. So mm -hmm. I lived in, I actually have my metric card right here. I was using it to take off my nails. I was like breaking off my nails. <laughs> you know how they do that in the, in the nail salons, they use a metro card in New York to take off. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> So I've kept it all this time for that purpose. Um, it's really funny. But so when I was in New York, I was working for an education company and I was in sales um, and I worked with professors. So my customers were professors. So I now was like walking around these different colleges, university and universities and talking to professors about what books they're using in their classrooms. And I built such good relationships with these people that they were like, hey, Rita, didn't you used to teach? And I'm like, yeah fifth grade. They're like, you want to teach? I'm like, college? And they're like, yeah, like, okay, <laughs> let's do it. And so they assigned me a class. And one class was um, foundations of marketing and sales because I had been in sales all my life. And mm -hmm. then the other one was public speaking. And I was like, you got to be shitting me. Like that is the universe guiding me. Like, hey, dumbass, you're supposed to be speaking in some way. And I would yeah. just like doubt myself. I would, I would let that imposter syndrome creep in like, oh, I'm not good enough. Yeah, I'm not ready. Who am I to do this? Blah, blah, blah. I need a credential. I need this. I need that or the other. And that's what keeps people stuck is like, I'm not ready yet. I need this one more thing before I start. And it's just an excuse to procrastinate and stay stuck. Yeah. That's like imposter syndrome at its finest. And so that class for me to teach was legit. Like the final thing it's like, okay, is this good enough for you? Now you're a professor of public speaking. What more do you want Rita? Like what more do you want? Yeah. What other <laughs> credentials do you need? <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> exactly. And that's like every job I've ever had has been sales, has been speaking related. I'm in front of a group of people. I'm connecting people. I'm talking to people. Even what it's so funny. You know how I'm in the coaching space, right? Like even creating a coaching program. And now I'm looking back at this job I had with Barbizon. Do you know about Barbizon? No. It's, it's, it's like modeling and acting training. Um, it's kind of like a school, but they call themselves an agency. Some of them, I guess, have an agency. But mm -hmm. so basically they, you'd get stopped at the mall. You fill out a paper and you're like, I want to be a model. And they'd be like, oh, oh. I stopped for that before. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, good. So that's Barbizon probably, or there's a couple other ones that are similar, mm -hmm. but so they would stop you. They'd collect your information. They would call you and they'd say, oh, you're interested in such and such. We're having an event. Come to our event. So you're booked, you're scheduled, confirmed with your parents. You show up. You're sitting in a room. Someone's standing there speaking in front of you. It was either me or some other woman. And we're telling you this whole story, this whole spiel. You're wanting to do it no matter what. Then we tell you that it costs $2,500 and you're about to audition. And if you get selected, you're going to start such and such date and be ready to pay. Like that is how it went. And I was like, I could use that. I could use that in what I'm doing now. And it just dawned on me recently. I have so many people that filled out co um, coaching applications and I'm like, inv I invited everybody into one big group coaching session. And I basically gave them, I poured into them. I gave them all this like free coaching for three hours straight. And at the end I was like, Hey, so I have a coaching program. If you guys want to sign up, here's the application. And if you're accepted because I'm only holding space for 10 people or 15 people or whatever, then you'll start such and such date. And this is how much it costs. I literally used exactly what I did in my past. Jobs. You see, like, so everyone who's listening to this, there are breadcrumbs. There are dots you can connect things that happened in your life, things that come natural to you, things that you're good at, things that you're meant to do and you know it, but you're doubting yourself and you're keeping yourself stuck. And it's yeah. like, do it anyway. And Hala is proof that you can freaking get to the top of the charts, literally <laughs> using your past experiences and creating your own lane and take control of your life. I have a couple examples of what you're talking about. So you're talking about like skill stacking, right? Yeah. So I interviewed somebody, his name is Scott Adams. He's a world famous cartoonist. He is the creator of Dilbert. Have you ever heard of that cartoon? Yeah. yeah. Someone like actually just mentioned it yesterday. Yeah. So he, he's the creator of Dilbert. It's like a huge, huge cartoon syndicated everywhere. If you've ever like opened up a newspaper, you kind of know what Dilbert is, um, especially if you're a millennial. So anyway, he did this by skill stacking. He wasn't the best drawer in the world. He was decent. He was a funny guy. He knew how to write and he had business experience. He used to work in corporate. So he decided to put all these skills together and then come out with Dilbert. And so he offered this unique package to the world and he wasn't the best at everything. You don't need to be the best. You don't need to be expert level. He was just good enough. And when he put it all together, he had something so unique and so good that he blew up and he became one of the most successful cartoonists in the world. When I think about my success as a podcaster, it's mostly because I'm such a good marketer, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a much better marketer than I would even say podcaster. And it's because I do have, you know, audio experience, on-air personality experience. And then I have like expert level marketing skills and leadership skills. I have like a really strong talent of building a team. And I've always done that in every instance of my life. Like I form a team without even wanting a team and, and that's just what happens. Um, 
everybody who works for me or like the leadership team started as fanatic volunteers <laughs> and they worked for me for free. And then now they're getting paid just like only two years later. But anyway, I stacked all those things together. And like I said, I wasn't, I'm not the best podcaster in the world. I'm a good writer. I have business experience. I know how to get like recruit a team and I'm a very good marketer. Put the, all those things together. And that's why Young and Profiting Podcast is successful. So, yeah. so and media. Yeah, media, which is my new, you know, almost million dollar business that I started six months ago. It's amazing. And, yeah. Oh my gosh. And you, you left Disney very recently. So you've been at Disney for like two years, right. And you were building your business while you were working there. And so I know we talked about this offline, but for people who are listening, what, when did you know, like for, for those who are like building their business or they're on the cusp of leaving, but they're scared to take that leap. What would you say to them? How did you know you were ready to finally leave? Yeah. So I started young and profiting podcast as a side hustle while working at HP two and a half years ago. Then I went to Disney while I had the podcast. The podcast was already popping. You know, my podcast has been big from the start. Like I had big names from the start. I had a personal brand on LinkedIn that I was growing. And so even I remember one of the reasons why I got the job at Disney is because they knew about my podcast and they found me on LinkedIn and then they recruited me for Disney streaming services. It was a brand new service coming out and they thought my podcasting experience would be really relevant. So anyway, I have, I have this job at Disney. I'm side hustling, doing my podcast at lunch, running into the phone booth, trying to lock it down. So I have a quiet place to record. Like it was insane how much I worked when I was, especially before COVID, when I actually had to commute and be in the office, it was insane trying to juggle it all. Cause my podcast was big at that point and I was still juggling it all. So once COVID hit, um, I started my side hustle, Gap Media. And, um, you know, now my team is like 40 people strong. Um, I just quit Disney streaming services two weeks ago and I had 30, almost 30 people working for me while I was working at Disney streaming. Like it was insane. Like it was just (laughs) insane. And I was just so scared of leaving my job. I had so much money saved. I was working in corporate for seven years. I had no excuse not to leave my job. I was just like felt so scared. And I had a lot of people in my life, people who loved me telling me that I was ruining my life. If I quit my job, even though, even though I was making more money outside of Disney than I was at Disney, like my revenue that I was bringing in was a lot more like 10 times more than Disney that I was bringing in for my company. Granted, I have expenses and employees and everything like that, but I was making a lot of money and I could pay myself more like the same, if not more at working at Disney, but still I had people telling me I was ruining my life. I was taking a risk. It's COVID. How dare you quit your amazing job at Disney? People would die to have a job at Disney. You're so selfish for, for even thinking this way. That's the kind of stuff that everybody was telling me that I was so selfish that, you know, nobody can get a job now and you're taking it for granted. And who knows what the market's going to be like, and the world's going to end. And everybody was like filling all this stuff in my head. And then, but then just sign after sign after sign kept happening. My downloads skyrocketed. Okay. I was a big podcast. Now I'm like top 1%. Okay. What else can happen? You know what I mean? I landed the cover of podcast magazine. Okay. Now I'm on the cover of podcast magazine with John Lee Dumas and Jocko and Katie Couric and all these. Okay. This is kind of crazy. You know, then I landed a Ted talk for June and I'm like, okay, now I'm going to be a speaker and like landed the biggest speaking engagement possible. You know what I mean? So it's like all these things kept happening. And, um, 
I just realized that the opportunity outside of this of Disney was so much bigger than me being at Disney. And to be quite honest, um, I felt like as a woman and as a petite woman, and I just felt like I had a lot more power than they were giving me justice for. And while I was getting a great check, I wasn't a leader. Like I was a leader, but not really like, I should have been like a VP at Disney in terms of my experience and my knowledge and everything like that. And I wasn't getting those opportunities. Uh, my previous company at Hewlett Packard, I got promoted five times in five years. I was super respected. I was like on track to become their next CEO if I stayed there for 20 years. At Disney, I was on track to be like a VP in 10, 10 15 years. Like, why would I do that? Yeah. I can, I can make that money next year if I just do it on my own. Oh my Again, God. Every time I'm stagnant, it's when I'm, somebody else's foot is on my neck, right? Mm. And so it's like, I'm surprised I was able to accomplish everything that I accomplished as a side hustle, but I'm just so excited to go full time now because it's like, finally, I feel like the, you know, the handcuffs are off. I can really just put my all into this and also have a life and like have balance. And you know what I mean? Cause I was working like a dog. Like yeah. I was really working like a dog for a year, you know, at least in terms of managing the business and the podcast and the job, it was just and a boyfriend and all it was just ridiculous. Yeah. I'm right there where you were right now. And you know, it's <laughs> funny when you mentioned the whole, like you should have been a VP at Disney with the, everything that, you know, like I right now am the most senior person on my team at my day job and someone else was promoted to manage the team and then now promoted again to manage the whole country. And I've been here longer than him and all of that. So it's like, you know, maybe because I'm a woman, maybe because I'm Middle Eastern, maybe who knows what I'm reason you, being a Middle Eastern woman, you get no handouts, none. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying, I'm not trying to speak ill of my job. I love what I do. And it is actually feeds right into everything that I do, like the whole coaching. It's, it's kind of like I'm selling basically life coaching curriculum, online courses for kids. <laughs> That's basically what I do for a living. So it's really cool because it goes hand in hand with, with me coaching women. Right. And then it's just like their kids are getting my um, product from my day job in the schools that they attend. So it's just curriculum. It's really well, cool. I think it's a matter of time for you, Rita, just keep building up your side hustle. It takes some work. You know, I, I, I we're both responsible people. And so I did it in a really responsible way. I didn't take investment. I just kind of grew it organically and now I'm like, like I said, almost a million dollar company, 40 employees, huge clients, everything's running seamless. It's like sky's the limit. Just keep building, you know, it's amazing. You are, you are such a, I said it before, you are a force. You really are. And you know about your, the, the criticism and the negative things that people were saying, that is really them just not doing anything about their own individual hopes and dreams. And they want to feel like safe and adequate. And so they're kind of like telling stories of why you can't do this and blaming other things and blaming COVID and blame, you know, this whole victim mindset. And they're just projecting their own insecurities onto you to make themselves feel better about not doing, you know, what you're doing. And that's really what it is at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and for everybody out there listening, if people say that to you and you have a gut instinct, like go for it. I also got the same reaction when I started the podcast. So forget about starting the business and quitting my job. When I started the podcast, 
all my friends were like, why are you doing this? Like, I thought this was over. Isn't this kind of immature? Like, why are you going back to this? Isn't Strawberry Blunt done and Sorority of Hip Hop done? Like, what, like, what are you doing? Like, that was the attitude that all my best friends gave me. Like, nobody was supportive. And I just kept doing it. And then now they're like, oh, my God, you're crushing. Oh, yeah. Uh huh. The whole thing turned around. And it's like, now I'm the cool friend that everybody wants to like, you know what I mean? It's just, it's so funny that that, that's what my favorite saying is first, they're going to ask you why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to ask you how you did it. And that's literally like the like, if I had like a tattoo, that's what my my tattoo (laughs) It's so funny. I mean, it's true. Like they, it's because their own insecurities about pursuing their own dreams. So they're like trying to shut you down. Like, wait, what are you doing? You're not supposed to chase your dreams. What are you doing? Just like keep your normal job, live a normal life, get married, have kids and sit down and shut up because that's what I'm doing. So that's what you should be doing. What are you doing? Hala, what are you doing? Like Exactly. That's really what it is. And so now that you've made it and you're like revenge story back again, excuse me. You remember what you just said um, before? Um, um, yeah, that. Look at me now. <laughs> and, and honestly, it's just hard work, consistency, and like knowing what you want and going after it and not being shy and asking. I asked for all of this. You know? Yeah. You know, it's interesting when you when you ask for something that you want and then it shows up and then you have a whole new set of problems and it's like new, what is it? How did they say? New level, new devil kind of thing. And mm-hmm. it's like you pray and you ask for this and then the problems that come with it, right? And then- just always remember you prayed for these problems, like in, in a good way, like think about it as like, you prayed for this. So be grateful that this, whatever it is, whatever the new level you've gotten yourself to like, be grateful for it because this, these are, this is exactly what you wanted. And we're, we can always focus on the negative things and forget like the amazing level that we've gotten ourselves to. Like, I can't even tell you how I've evolved in my career, in what I'm pursuing in my life, in my own like healing journey and how I used to keep myself so stuck out of fear of judgment, like being Middle Eastern and whatnot, like my family, I hope they don't listen to this podcast because they would completely disown me. (laughs) You know what I mean? But I was, I was living in fear of what people would think, what people would say, like I was raised that way. So it was programmed in me deeply, deeply rooted to, to, Finally, I'm like, you know what? I don't care what people have to say, what people think anymore. I'm going to show up and I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And it's my calling. It's my purpose. It's what I'm, I'm being guided to. And I don't want to end up on my deathbed full of regret just to please other people that don't matter at the end of the day. You know, did you ever feel like that? Like, um, worried about what people would think, what people would say, or like keeping yourself stuck out of fear of judgment? Yeah. So Good question. Like we we're both like Middle Eastern, right? So let me take you back to, like I said, the sorority of hip hop. I was like such an outcast in my community and my parents like basically didn't talk to me. I dropped out of college. So as an Arabic girl, all her family, my siblings are doctors and my dad's a doctor. (laughs) I dropped out of freaking school to work at a radio station. So think about that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like a party girl. I really was like, I, I love to party. I, then I, I started this website. I was hosting parties for a living, you know, I was sexy and like had this sexy image and people in the community, like talked so much trash about me. And I love, 
love all the success that I'm getting now because it's just like, yeah, you like you thought this about me. Look at me now. Like, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? So it's like, and I was doing amazing things back then, but they were so close minded. Like wearing a skirt was bad. It's like, give me a freaking break. Yeah. For a white girl, I was a normal white girl. Like, you know what I mean? Or like college girl, let's say, forget white, black, whatever. I was a normal college girl, but for an Arabic girl, that wasn't okay. And so right. for instance, like my childhood best friend wasn't allowed to put me in her wedding. That's oh, how wow. exercised from the community I was. My best friend growing up my whole life, she was about to get married and her, her mother-in-law was like, Holla can't be in the wedding. She's like, not a good enough girl. Oh and, my like, God. Like, started to happen to me. And so I just like, kind of like, I'm really Americanized. And one of the reasons why is because I didn't fit in. Yeah. I didn't fit in with the community and they were really, they really weren't supportive of me. And they didn't see, they didn't realize that I was like on the cusp of digital marketing. I was doing really cool things, but all they could see is like short skirt. And they just wanted to talk shit about that. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't stand the fact that I was getting attention as a woman. And so I don't remember your original question. <laughs> no, I love it. This is good. I was I don't asking the original question, but like I, I think it's fear of judgment. And yeah, and it's like yeah. I was so back to your original question, fear of judgment. I've been judged for so long that like that stuff doesn't matter to me now. Like I could care less what anybody thinks about me because at the end of the day, all those girls in my community are like not doing much with their life yeah. and I'm like 20 million times more successful than them. And it's kind of like, okay, like, you know, you guys wanted to talk shit because I was hustling as a young girl and look at me now, like yeah. me that I wasn't wearing, you know, a headscarf and it wasn't good enough for you. Like, I don't care. So it's like, I, I, I like, you know, my parents love me and accept me. Uh, my dad passed away. God bless his soul. But you know, he, accepted me and you know we made up and everything like that and that's all that matters and everybody else can kind of kick rocks if they have a problem it's so amazing how much you and i have in common i you, you definitely don't know what i'm about to tell you but you sharing what you just shared triggered like a lot for me because i left chicago when, I, when i'm from originally chicago born and raised i left in the when i told you about that tour earlier 2008 so i left chicago in 2008 but I moved out of the house at 17, 18. And I, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to stay in the house right until you get married and then you move out. And so I already was breaking the rules left and right. My mom was hiding the fact that I moved out all my life and forget it. If I lived with a guy, you know what I'm saying? Like that's not, not okay. Right. Um, but so growing up and like in 2006, actually I started, like I got, I won some tickets to some concert, B96 summer bash. Someone handed tickets to me one other time. Every time I go somewhere or to a concert, I'm like, I'm going to end up backstage. I know it. I'm just going to end up backstage. And I say that I put it out there and it happens. Like that's how you manifest. You just say what you yeah. want, believe it's possible. And then the door literally opens for you. So I'm at this concert and I'm walking and I'm like, I'm going to get backstage. And then I see a door and I open the door and there's an elevator. I go down the elevator, elevator door opens and guess who's standing in front of my face? <laughs> Ray J. <laughs> and so he ends up giving me a badge and I'm backstage. I'm hanging out. Rihanna, this was her first year coming out 
singing unfaithful and she was like shaking and scared and nervous and her family was like encouraging her and like all that and I'm hanging out with Sean Paul and T-Pain and Chris Brown and all these people and Neo and Ray J and I have all their phone numbers and I'm going back like back to their hotel rooms for their like party and whatever and this was my this was my life and I did this again at another concert and everywhere I went, then I went, um, when I did the tour and I'm on this tour, I'm like literally living like a rock star waiting, waking up in a different city every day, hanging out with all these like famous bands and stuff and Katy Perry. Um, and then I ended up going back home to Chicago and some, and my, and somebody called me from tour. They're like, Hey, we're doing a show in Vegas. You want to come? And I'm like, yeah, for sure. And my mom's like, where are you going? You just got back. Oh my God. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, relax. I'll be back in three days, mom. It's not that serious. And so at this point, I'm people are calling me Hollywood. This was my nickname. People were calling me Hollywood. I was like just living it up. And I go to Vegas for three days and I end up on the last day standing at the MGM Grand suitcase in hand right in front where the shuttle's coming. I'm waiting there and I'm standing there and I'm looking around and I'm like pool parties, great weather, palm trees. Mm, yeah, I'm not going home. <laughs> So I turn around and I go to the bellhop. I give him my suitcase and I'm like, hey, can you watch this for me? I don't know what I'm doing. He goes, okay. And I missed my flight on purpose. I, and I think the universe was like, oh, you want to play? Let's do it. Right. Because it was like, I had this intuitive idea. I should stay. Then I started to talk myself out of it. I don't know anyone here. I don't have anywhere to stay. What am I doing? I should go back home, get a job and live a normal life. Like that's what I'm supposed to do. And I had yeah. this voice tell me, no, stay, have fun. Just see what happens. Go with the flow. Yeah. choose your, choose your own adventure. Right. Yeah. And so not even halfway through, not even a quarter way through into the casino floor, this guy stops me, which I'm still friends with till this day, by the way. And he goes, where are you going? I was like, I don't know. I'm just going to go to the pool. He's like, I'm this host, blah, blah, at the bank at the Bellagio. Do you want to come? I got VIP this and that. I'm like, sure. Why not? So that night, instead of being on an airplane, shoulder to shoulder with some guy, I was shoulder to shoulder with Leonardo DiCaprio and his VIP. Oh my God. <laughs> And then another time I get stopped at the mall and I get, I, they put me in the movie, the hangover and I take up the whole screen in a white bikini for six seconds. And I was like, so embarrassed and ashamed and scared that my mom was going to find out about that. I'm in a bikini on a big screen. Like all the Assyrians in the world are going to come together and like fucking try to like burn me on a, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh my I was- God always scared, always scared of what people would think and what people would say, not just people, but Assyrians, people from my culture. Like I was programmed to worry about that. Like, you know, know, being careful about your reputation is such a big deal. And so me showing up like this, you showing up the way you did, this is like a whole new layer of courage that you had to like overcome this, this, this layer that, that not everybody has. I know it's, it's crazy. And the fact that you did it and you are where you are today, like you absolutely 1000% are so deserving of it. I'm in complete awe of you. You're amazing. You're such an inspiration. You, you really have like led the, the proof. You were proof in the pudding that whatever it is that you want, that people are telling you can't have, you can literally create it for yourself. Yeah. You just got to work hard and have dreams and truly believe that life is limitless. Like that's another key too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. really believing that there's no limitations and that you can learn anything new. You know, there's no limitations to your knowledge. There's no limitations to your network, nothing like there's no limitations. And as once you accept that you start to like take more chances because you realize that anything is possible. 
This is so true. I love that you just said that limitations. We have our own subconscious limitations on ourselves. Nobody is, nobody is like your life is the way that it is because of you and nobody else. Like you have complete control over what your life is right now. In this very moment, you can make a decision to leave a toxic relationship right now. You can make a decision to quit the job that you're at and start your own business right now. You have complete control and you can stay in the victim mindset with your own subconscious limitations of I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not ready yet. I don't have the money. I can't afford it. I need to do this. I need to do that. Whatever excuses that are keeping you where you are. And you will use those excuses forever until you remove those limitations from yourself because you are the only thing in your own way. Exactly. I couldn't have said it better. Thank you. You're so sweet. (laughs) I love your smile. You're like such a light. You're such a glowy, beautiful being. I'm so grateful. Like I, I hate that program that I signed up for that I did and the woman who leads it, but I'm grateful I did it because I got to know you because of it. So everything happens for a reason. <laughs> Thank you, Rita. Thank you. Well, I love you so much. And we're already, we are at an hour. I feel like I could talk to you forever. And I do talk to you every single day, pretty much it feels like, but, um, <laughs> if you, if you would like to share where people can find you, what you're working on right now and anything, anything at all that you'd like to share, please feel free. Sure. And what a great conversation. You know, I've shared a lot in this interview that I haven't shared anywhere else. So it goes to show how awesome of an interviewer you are. So, so, so great job. Honestly, I never told that story about my best friend, you know, not putting me in her wedding. So, and you know, that was a big thing for me back then. Anyway, uh, Young and Profiting Podcast is what I want to talk about. Young and Profiting Podcast is my baby. Um, I work really hard on it. It's all about providing actionable advice that can help you level up your life. So I interview some of the brightest minds in the world. We always go deep on one or two topics. I do 10, 20 hours of research. It's it's really a show that you go, you get inspired on Rita's show. On my show, you get inspired and you learn. Like you learn a lot of things. So like whether it's business, productivity, time management, how to get better sleep, how to, you know, do better in your relationships, whatever it is. We uncover a topic and it's really valuable stuff. And I've interviewed amazing people. So if that interests you, check out Young and Profiting. Uh, You can find us on all the different podcast apps. You can find me on LinkedIn. That's my main uh, platform uh, at Halataha. I'm also on Instagram at Yap with Hala and on Clubhouse at Halataha. And I'm always hosting Clubhouse rooms and sometimes it's Rita. So it's a lot of fun. Make sure you follow both of us. And you did a really great job. So I really have faith in your podcast growing and you know, just keep doing what you're doing and, and let's just help each other. I mean, thank you, Hala. I love you. Of course. Great job. Um, and we'll talk soon. Okay. Perfect. Bye. Bye. (laughs) You're so cute. Such a vibe, right? Oh my gosh. I love her so much. She is such a beautiful soul and she's gorgeous inside and out. I adore her to pieces and to get validated by the podcast princess herself. I'm feeling good right now. (laughs) I'm so, so, so grateful you were here with us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I would love to hear your feedback. Meet me on Instagram at rawveganrita. DM me. Let me know that you heard this. Let me know what you loved about it. Let me know what you want more of. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't yet, and join the Facebook group. Don't forget to check out all the show notes so you can connect with Hala. 
Love you so damn much. Thank you for being here. You are so appreciated. I'm eternally grateful for the time that you're spending here with me on this podcast. Have a beautiful morning, afternoon, evening, whatever. (laughs) Okay, love you. Bye.